You're listening to Talkin' Music on KVNF. I'm Taya J, and today we have a special program for you. This upcoming feature is a segment from KGNU's program, Black Talk, a monthly show bringing us news and more from NAACP Boulder County and beyond. Black Talk centers black voices, black thought, and black vision. In this episode, host Michelle Simpson sits down with Dr. Paul Kwame, music director of the Fisk Jubilee Singers. Stay tuned to KVNF, Mountain Grown Community Radio. We hope that you enjoy. KGNU listeners, and welcome to Black Talk. Black Talk is a co-creation of the Boulder County NAACP and KGNU. Black Talk centers Black voices, Black thought, and Black vision. And today, I am so pleased to welcome as our guest, Dr. Paul Kwame. Dr. Kwame is the music director of the Fisk Jubilee Singers. And today, in our conversation with Dr. Kwame, we're going we're gonna to cover a lot of terrain. So sit back, and uh, again, welcome to Black Talk. Dr. Kwame, could you briefly um, introduce yourself to the KGNU listeners? Just tell us a little something about yourself, and then we will dive in. Okay. My name is Dr. Paul T. Kwame. I am currently the musical director of the Fisk Jubilee Singers. I am also the music discipline coordinator at Fisk University. Um, I am Ghanaian by birth. I studied music in Ghana with my father being my first music teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a lot of education in Ghana studying music and Again, as a result of my father being a music teacher, I chose to follow his path. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved to the United States in 1983, became a student at Fisk University, right. and also sang with the Fisk Jubilee Singers for the two right. years that mm-hmm. I was here. Um, in 1994, actually spring of 94, I started directing the ensemble first uh, on part-time basis. And then in the fall of that year, I became the full-time musical director of the ensemble. And I thank you for that introduction. Just to those who, again, are perhaps learning about the Fisk Jubilee Singers for the very first time, or those who've heard some of the music, um, again, we're gonna kind of dive into some of those details. So Dr. Kwame, in an interview that you did um, with the New York Times, you said, if we are the ones to continue carrying this torch, 
Right. And there has to be humility and not pride. What did you mean by that? <laughs> do you remember? Do you even remember that? I, oh, yes, I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, well, here is the thing. Um, people talk about celebrity. People use the word celebrity. And I believe that when one is not careful and sees himself or herself in a position of responsibility that makes him or her uh, very visible to the world, that person can sometimes become very proud. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I believe that I am in a position where I am simply continuing the work of the original Fist Jubilee Singers, several musical directors who came before me, and then generations of Fisk Jubilee Singers, Fisk students who were Fisk Jubilee Singers. So for, for me to be in this position and for my current students, we need to really humble ourselves. Mm -hmm because when pride takes over, we will fall. Mm -hmm. I believe that with humility, we will position ourselves to, when necessary, examine ourselves to see if we are doing the right thing or not, um, and then make the necessary changes. But we also have to remember that we have the responsibility of preserving this legacy. You know, when I think about the original Fisk Jubilee singers, particularly when I read about the, their life stories before they became Fisk students and then Fisk Jubilee singers, it's just perfect for us to humble ourselves and continue what they did. Well, you know, one of the things that is so clear <laughs> to anyone who knows anything about the Fisk Jubilee Singers is that the ensemble carries quite a legacy. So right. please, I'm gonna go through a few things because I don't wanna assume our listeners, um, again, know the history, um, yes. but correct me. Please correct me, stop me. <laughs> Say, Michelle, sure. stop, 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 stop. You got that wrong. But as I understand it, the Fisk, yeah. that Fisk University, um, an HBCU, a historically black college or university, began in 1866. 1866, and, correct. Okay, and, and my understanding is that Fisk began to educate, um, or its purpose was to educate newly emancipated Black folks, newly emancipated slaves. Am I correct? Education, that was the main goal. But since it was a matter of educating people, the opportunity was open to anyone who wanted to receive education. Got it. Okay. Okay. So yes. it was more now, mm -hmm. We also want to make it clear that the American Missionary Association, and actually everyone who had the desire, to provide education for the freed slaves knew that by providing education, the, the lifestyles of the freed slaves would be better. 
So yeah. that was really the goal, but in setting up the school, they wanted to make it make education available for everyone okay. who wanted and anyone who was interested in education or being right. educated. Okay. Yes. So if we're looking at 1866, we're looking at just a few years um, after the end of the Civil War. Correct. Okay. So also, as I understand it, um, like most institutions, CISC needed money to operate. And so there was an idea that was hatched to take some of the school's most perhaps talented singers on tour and that through that tour, perhaps yeah. um, funds would be raised. Do I have that correct? Yes, um, George White, mm -hmm. who actually before coming to Fisk, um, he was not a trained musician. He was in the army, uh, but he had interest in choral music. So before coming to Fisk, he worked in different places as a choral master, for example, in Ohio and understand he was very well respected as a choir master. Mm -hmm. So when he came to Fisk, he continued working as, as a choir director and the institution was experiencing the financial difficulties. Mm -hmm. He decided to train these young students and go on a tour with them. Okay. But that also gave them the opportunity to gather the Negro spirituals and transform them into art forms, which would make it easy for them to perform them as they traveled. Got it. Were they following, because um, I thought I read something that said that they were hoping, or perhaps Mr. White was hoping that abolition-minded audiences who lived along the route of the Underground Railroad right. um, would be moved to would be moved to to donate because again these were students with beautiful voices and right. again people would be moved to do that but I understood also that the the tour um, yes. was pretty challenging um, on a number <laughs> of fronts that the tour initially didn't raise the money that was hoped for and after weeks of performances um, the yeah. tour wasn't even breaking even at that stage and so as I understand the story the students were exhausted. Um, some of the places they visited were really cold and, and, and students didn't have coats, for example. And yeah. so they were really suffering from just kind of pure, pure exhaustion. And even right. finding places to stay was difficult because, again, this was a black choral group. And so you had boarding house owners who refused to permit um, them to stay um, in, their, in their places or in their homes, their boarding right. houses. What I also thought I understood is that they decided to expand the choral repertoire, um, some of the songs, and that some of these songs were passed down kind of generationally, and mm -hmm. that audiences were kind of mesmerized, you know, or really touched by much of this music. And there was someone I read about, a musicologist at that time, um, who had attended one of the performances. His name was um, Horace Boyer, I think. And he was quoted as saying, they said you could hear the soft weeping. So people were so moved by these voices right. and these right. performances that it helped raise money. It ultimately, it ultimately yeah. helped to raise money to support Fisk, um, right. which is still one of our you know, oldest HBCUs, one of our oldest historically black colleges and universities. Is that, is that still an objective of the Fisk Jubilee Singers? What is it still partly to kind of raise 
to raise money along with raising awareness and, and making certain this music is maintained? Yes, definitely. Um, one of the key responsibilities we have is the preservation of this legacy, the preservation of the music. When we, we travel, we make sure that our repertoire, which is the Negro spiritual music that the original Fist Jubilee singers transformed and shared with the world, we make sure we continue to preserve this music. Music is one of the cultural elements that connects Africans to African-Americans. You know, you've, I, you've been quoted as saying that. Could you say a little yeah. bit more about that? Well, when I think about the fact that those people who were slaves on the plantations and created the songs we now sing were transported from Africa, West, West Coast of Africa. They were people who were born as free people who were living in their own countries, but were captured and brought to the United States. And one of the things they brought with them was their music. And as a result of that gift, they created these songs that we now sing. So I always regard music as one of the elements that connects Africans to African-Americans.
If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Talkin' Music on KBNF, and today we're featuring a special segment of Black Talk, hosted by Michelle Simpson. You know, Dr. Kwame, I want to go back to something. You've spoken to it, but I just want to come back to it because I I find it so meaningful. And that's the nexus, that nexus between Africa and African-Americans musically. Yes. Um, I just wanted you to, and you, you've spoken to it, but I just wanted you to, to say a bit more about it, because when we think in terms of spirituals, for example, um, mm-hmm. and I think about the music I grew up listening to and hearing, um, and that my grandmother and grandmother's grandmother um, right. sang, that yeah. the music had such meaning, and not just because it sounded good, That's <laughs> not correct. just because... Um, it carried a message. Oftentimes that music was used to communicate and it was used to communicate certain things. So if one was going to, for example, attempt an escape, the music could communicate that. um, So the music again has, has so much meaning in so many ways. And I think that's part of the reason why it, it can so touch the soul. But I wanted yes. you to just say, just to say a little bit more about the meanings, you know, of some of these standards, of some of this music, that it's not just music that sounds good. It's not just music that, as I said, can can psychologically and also physically kind of move us, but kind of the whys behind the music, kind of the yeah. reasons for developing some of these songs. Um, that really speak to kind of Black resistance, speak to Black rebellion, and just really speak to the souls um, of of Black folks? Well, you know, I, I believe that every human being has the ability to express him or herself in some way through some medium. Definitely Africans, when I think about performing or creating and performing music culturally, people did not necessarily have to go to school to learn how to create music and perform music. So when we talk about meanings behind songs, or when we talk about the purpose of music making, and when we talk about the spirituals as they were used by the slaves, it gives us a clear understanding of how that African thing came with them. Mm -hmm. The slaves, during the time of slavery, we know used their music 
to express the emotions. They use their music to communicate among themselves. Let me relate that. For example, within African communities, uh, before communication developed, if, for example, people in one village needed to send a message across to another village, they would send the message by playing on talking drums. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> when slaves were on the plantations, let's use the song, the spiritual, Steal Away to Jesus, for example, mm -hmm. which is one of the spirituals with hidden meanings. Um, Thomas Rattling, one of the original Fist Jubilee singers, wrote in his book that the story behind Steal Away to Jesus was the slaves went to the plantation, worked all day, and then at night they would cross a river to listen, to go and hear an Indian preacher. But the slave masters realized that if the practice of going to hear the Indian preacher continued, the slaves could use that and escape. So the slave masters made an attempt at preventing that practice. But the slaves would go back onto the plantations and while working, one person would start singing, steal away to Jesus. The next person close to the one who started the song would pick up and sing. And all of a sudden, the singing would spread all over the plantation. To the slave master, these were just Africans making music as they worked. Mm -hmm. But to the slaves, they were communicating among themselves that tonight, after we work, we will run away to go and hear the Indian preacher. So in this case, the slaves used the music to communicate among themselves. They did not have the drums right. on which to play, but they used music. And even today, when I listen to music of African-Americans, I, I realize that the music is not produced just to entertain people mm -hmm. or to make money. But the music is produced in, in some cases to share messages with people. Absolutely, exactly. Um, the original Fist Jubilee singers, as they travel, we talked about the hardships that they encountered. People mm -hmm. 
did not have much regard for them because slavery had just ended and these people were black young students from Fisk University. Um, they got to Oberlin, Ohio and were asked to sing for a group of people. And instead of being placed in front of the audience, they were placed in the balcony and asked to sing. George White had trained them to sing Western classical music with the hope that that would make it easier for the white audiences to listen to them. So that particular day, they were placed in the balcony and so they started singing Western classical music. Okay. It is said that people just got up from their seats and started walking about talking. Well, if I were to take my students out today and we're singing and then people are not giving us attention, I would not be happy about it. So the original first Jubilee singers in that situation said, if these people will not listen to us as we sing, then let us sing our own songs to ourselves. Hmm. Then they okay. started singing Steal Away very quietly. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, people became quiet and walked back, some even with tears in their eyes and went back to sit. The power of music. Mm -hmm. And I believe that in 1871, when the Fizz Jubilee Singers toured the United States, mm -hmm. despite all those challenges which we talked about earlier, they used the power and beauty of their music and the beauty of their singing to win the love of people. Of course, these days we, we talk about riots and other types of things, but the first Jubilee singers used the power of their beautiful music to win the love of people. Mm. So for us, let me say just human beings, there's a lot we can do with music and through music. Mm -hmm. Dr. Kwame, again, I'm so thankful for you Thank making you. the time to talk to us about the Fist Jubilee Singers. You're very welcome. I look forward to meeting you in person. No, thank you, Dr. Kwame. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Purchased of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. I'd like to thank you for joining us today for this particular segment of Black Talk featuring our guest, Dr. Paul Kwame, the music director of the Fisk Jubilee Singers. And I look forward to being with you again what next month within a month we air next month on thursday the second thursday in the month between 8 30 and 9 30 a.m looking forward to it thanks again you've been listening to black talk 
Many thanks to our RIMCOR sister station, KGNU, and to Michelle Simpson for this interview. For more talk and music programs, visit kvnf.org. Thank you for listening. How's everybody doing? I wonder if y'all can help us out a little bit. We got the hand clapping going on. Oh